Have you ever felt like there isn't enough time in the day or like you don't have time to take care of your well-being and build your dream? Or maybe you felt like it's impossible for you to go to work and still build that business that you envision at the same time. Well, so have we. And this is why we decided to make this podcast. This podcast is not just for PTs, OTs, MDs, or RNs. It's for everyone in healthcare. Our mission is to inspire you to make healthcare a better place and to build your business or brand through stories and real life examples of some of the top leaders and entrepreneurs in healthcare. There's no better time than now. Welcome to Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. going to give you a bonus question real quick because I think a big thing I really got to just understand and hear is so say you walk in right somebody calls you to say yo Tim we need you to teach a business class in PT school so this is what you're doing and your students are coming through now granted and I'm not talking about that management stuff I'm talking about something serious something that so that when people graduate they're going to have a concrete And for the listeners, this is not like concrete, like you made a business plan and it was like hypothetical and like Omaha and you had like Vanessa Hudgens is like whatever. No, I'm talking about like something serious where like by the time I graduate, I can take this business plan and execute it day one of me being my own PT. Right. Mm -hmm. So one, what would you teach? And then two, what would you want students to know and understand so that they'd be able to succeed in business straight out of school? Yeah, man. First of all, I would love to do that. I've, um, you know, pitched that idea, actually. But <laughs> nobody wants the real, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, the way I would teach it, man, would be really um, try to give a real-world experience, you know? Like, that business plan part is is just part of it. You really got to understand that when you're starting a practice, just because you put that you're going to see 30 patients the first month, doesn't mean that you're going to see 30 patients the first month, you know, and it's hard to simulate that in a class, like that feeling of like, damn, like I invested everything I have into this and it's not working. Right. So um, I think it'll be an ongoing, it'll be an entire semester worth of actually running a business. Right. Like I'm going to start everybody will say 20 or $25,000 and all right now, Come up with your idea, put your plan together, and that might be the first week or two of class. All right, now, what do you got to do next to actually start your business? All right, and every week throughout the semester, you're going to have a different goal. And the reason I'll do it every week is because you have to give yourself deadlines on being able to do this stuff. If you can't get to that, get that done by the end of the week, whatever that that assignment is, then you're losing money. All right, so on top of you having to invest the money to into paying for whatever to start, start up your business, you know, I'm going to start deducting your money when you can't, you know, you can't meet that assignment deadline. And as you start to see your account dwindle and you're like, man, all right, I need to get on the marketing or I need to, um, you know, get to these Facebook ads or I need to post more on social media or whatever that thought process is for that student. Like they have to feel that. Right. And know what going through that is like, because that is 
the the best simulation that I could try I could come up with at this time just kind of being asked that question right now to you know give that feeling of like what it's like to start a business and to run a business in the early stages because that's when you're going to have the most adversity is in the beginning you know as you start to become successful you start feeling yourself you start getting confident like you're, you're going to kind of forget about what that felt like but you need to feel that so you know that you get, you're able to push through and start gaining revenue in that class you start you know and you know the revenue at the end could be your a grade but if you're able to take that $25,000 that I gave you on day one and you turn that into 125,000 by the end of the semester then you know you did a good job of running your business hey that's good for me <laughs> I just think some I really just do think somebody needed to to hear that because that point you made like you got to be able to feel it mm-hmm. you know I think one of the biggest pain points at least for me when I started co-started my business is just ha- you know because dreaming dreaming ain't nothing like we had dreams man we were writing numbers down we're like we're gonna see this many people it's gonna be amazing but then when you start to like feel the pain of things not working out and in the real world like bills come up <laughs> you know what I'm saying and, and, and if you don't build up the consistency or the resiliency rather to to be able to even weather that storm yeah yeah and every and month those bills are going to come they're going to come whether or not you're ready whether or not you got it mm-hmm. they're still going to come and so that's why i wanted to ask that yeah, so i appreciate that man that's, that's a great question and uh you know hopefully somebody that's somewhere running a program that wants to have a business class hears it <laughs> so now now that we've kind of ventured down this rabbit hole we're going to do something we haven't done before. You talked about you wish we had some more time so that we could we could talk about some more stuff. So what are what are those things you want to talk about? All right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Um, well, one of my roles in PT is I'm, I'm very active in the American Academy of Sports Physical Therapy. I'm the chairman of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee there. Now, Anything that I say is not representative of them or my committee or of the academy, all right? I just wanted to put that out there because I'm very active in what I'm about to talk about. All right, so now both of you guys, you know, young black guys, um, one in PT school, one one, uh, pursuing, do either one of you know um, what the percentage of black people are, black professionals in PT, what percentage that is overall? No. Very, very small. Take a while, guess. If I had to guess, I would probably say 5%. What do you say, Paul? I, I was going to go with something a little high, like 8. Uh, 3. 3%. Now, for black males, what do you think that percentage is? <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> I got you guys more. stuck. Right? I'm asking the question, John. <laughs> This is no longer our podcast. I don't know. I would would say I would say that there are I'd at least say that there's more black women than there are black men. I'll say that's true. That's true. So black men make up 0.8% of all the PT. Not even 1%. So right now. Wow. We're breaking the mold, just having three black PTs on the, on the call, right? But um, I say all that, I point that out to say, man, that 
is very important for us, for like me, what I'm doing now, pouring into you guys, and for you guys to pour into the people behind you that look like us to be a part of this profession, man, because physical therapy is a great profession and it's very, very white. And, you know, nothing wrong with that, but that makes it homogenous. It doesn't really reflect the patients that we treat. You know, because every patient that walks in the door isn't going to be white. Every patient that walks in the door isn't going to be a white male. I mean, and that's not to say that every patient that walks in the door is going to be a black man. But point being that, you know, we really got to do our, our part to at least increase the number of people that look like us in the profession. And the other minorities got to do their part to make sure that the people that look like them are in the profession. You know, so um, I just I think it's important for, you know, us to share our stories, for us to mentor. And for us to really reach back, man, and pull up the people that are behind us that are interested in doing what we're doing. So like, Paul, you know, you're on, on your journey to try to get in. Like, man, I was you at one point, you know, and I think that it's important for you to be able to see me and for somebody that's behind you to be able to see you do what, um, you know, do what you're doing. So that, you know, you, you see that there's a picture of like, man, I can do this. If he could do it, I can do it. And the door's already been open. I want y'all to come through and be able to kick that door in, you know. Um, and I'm very passionate about that. And I'm very active in trying to make that stuff happen, man. So, you know, that's one thing I wanted to touch on. Like, I've been asked a lot to talk about race over the past month or two with everything that's going on. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't not mention that when we get on this call. Because, you know, we're, we're the ones, man, that we, we have to stand up for ourselves and be able to make sure that what has been able to, what has been done to us can't continue. And that starts at home with us in our communities and in our professions. So I know that got, got a little deep on you, but um, I think it's important for that to be said too. First off, I'm, I'm glad that we can have this conversation because it's something that, it's something that me and Paul have openly discussed and we've talked about in terms of even with us starting this podcast because we don't know any other black males that are in this industry that are in physical therapy that have a podcast like this you know what I mean and so for us it was it was about how can we how can we also push the envelope and be able to show the show the youngins coming you know after us that you can be successful in, in many different ways you know you can you can make your mark in many different ways you can let your voice be heard in many different ways I think one of the most satisfying things I've told Paul is when I'm on Instagram and I get a, a random DM from a, a young black man or a young black woman that's like, I see what you're doing. Just know like it motivates me, like it inspires me. Um, truth be told, I haven't even really seen that many of us in the field. So seeing you do it, it's like, it, it's a great thing to see, you know, and for me, that makes all the difference because I remember when I was in their shoes and I used to think the same way. I was like, I don't know anybody that looks like me that does this, you know, but it is something I want to do. And so I, I a hundred percent stand behind what you said that, that, that mentorship aspect is, is very important because when you don't see anyone that looks like you, you're right. It doesn't scream diversity. You know, it doesn't. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, we like to say is, is that we're about diversity and, and, and making sure that 
multiple people get a seat at the table. But then when you go and look at the numbers, the numbers don't reflect that at all. And so it's like, how do we bridge that gap as a profession? How do we, how do we make it so that those numbers increase? Because I think the other aspect of it is the fact that for me, my, my path wasn't, wasn't like yours. You know, like you said, like from 13, you knew I was going to be a PT. It's either, it's either I'm going to play pro sports or I'm going to be a PT. But what I will say is that I did have that similarity in the fact that for me, it was, I'm going to play pro sports. And that was it. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that was, that was the golden ticket. I was mm-hmm. like, mom, don't worry, baby boy. It's about to be on ESPN. We're going to be eating good. Like, you know, that, that was, that was the dream, so to speak, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and for a lot of young kids, it's like that, man. Exactly. And I think the the issue is that what we don't see is we don't see black men like this that are being successful in an unconventional way, you know, an out of the box way, because we're so used to seeing like, oh, I got to play ball or, oh, I got to be an entertainer. And it's like, no, you don't have to do that to be successful. And so I think that it, it goes as deep as being able to figure out how can we, how can we show, you know, our black community, how can we show our young black kings and our young black queens from a young age, you don't have to go that route. If you love playing ball, that's cool. But just know that's not the only, that's not the only way, you know, you can be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could be an engineer, you could be other things. And so this conversation always means so much to me because of how I grew up and because of how a lot of people that are very close to me grew up and the options that we thought we had to go with because we didn't know that there were other things we could do. But I mean, I think even what you just said, man, about like, you don't have to do this. You can be a doctor or a lawyer. Whatever. I mean, that's what our parents told us, man. And, you know, I think even that, like, yeah, they can do other things, but like the way that that message is framed, it doesn't have to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. I mean, like, just because those are the ones that people always point to, like, you could very well go and be a plumber and make a killing, you know, because everybody got a toilet, you know, and so it doesn't have to be these glamorous professions. You know, the whole point of it is that there's another way. But my thing is that if, you know, sports is your thing and you think you want to go be a, 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 you know, a pro athlete, there's a lot of ways that you can be in sports and not be on the field. And there's a, a lot of ways that you're going to be making a lot more money sometimes than the guys that are on the field with a lot less risk, you know, and you just got to figure out what those ways are, man. You know, that could be sports medicine. That could be being an agent. That could be being a coach. That could be any number of things, but there's just, if sports is your thing, there's just so many ways, man. And, you know, like don't, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself into that. Like learn your game, learn your craft. And if you're one of the, you know, one of that small percentage to make it great. But if not, like, there's other ways you can be involved, man. Like, you see guys that, you know, play the game 10, 12 years, they retire, and what do they do? Become coaches or commentators or something so they can be around the game, right? Because they can't play it anymore. It's not that they weren't good enough. Like, they did it, and now they can't do it anymore. They find a way to be around it because that's the only thing that they know. And so, too, you can do that on the front end, man. You find a way to be around whatever your passion is. I'm using sports because that's mine, um, but whatever that is, man, you know, just find a way to be around what it is that you love. And it, it doesn't have to be the glamorous way. I could go down this hole. Do it. 
It's dark down here. <laughs> and I think a lot of it too has to do with exposure. Mm-hmm. That's that's most of it. It's crazy that now that I think about it, even when I did my option hours, the only place I have ever seen black male physiotherapists on this podcast <laughs> and in the community that Carl and I are part of. That's it. I, I've i never seen a black male PT in a clinic. Like, it's crazy to me. I've never seen a black male PT in a clinic. I actually don't know any that work in clinics, at least that I know. We're going to clinic. Right? I mean, you got, that's what I'm saying. Like, you got it. And, and, and the reason I know <laughs> you got it is because, you know, we're, we're here talking. Like, I think there's <laughs> that awareness. And I think, man, like, as black men, we got to do a better job of, of exposing our babies. We got to do a better job of exposing, mm-hmm. exposing our young ones to like what's possible. Mm-hmm. For sure, man. Uh, that's, that's why I think it's on us. Like I say, like you guys are in a great position because, you know, being in PT school or about to be in PT school, you're so close to the generation behind you mm-hmm. that they can see you guys like, oh, I hadn't thought about this. And like, and now you guys know me and now you're tapped into everybody that I know that looked like us, that anybody that you touch, all of us can touch. And I think that that's the power in, you know, being able to reach back. And why I say that you guys are in such a, a powerful place, man, a pivotal place is because the guys right behind you are the ones that need it the most. And the guys right behind them need it even more. So any opportunity you guys get to reach back, man, talk at a high school, talk at your high school, you hey, know, <laughs> anything. Right there. Growing up, we used to say this thing where we're like, oh, you got to do it for the kids. Mm-hmm. Right? We, we used to say that all the time, like, you got to do it for the kids. Because cause these, these young cats coming up behind us, I mean, I'm saying it like I'm old. <laughs> Please, I'm 27. But, but, but the ones coming up behind us are the ones that will probably ultimately end up changing a ton of stuff. And, and making a lot of decisions. And it's like, I always even think in my, in my specific scenario, I have three younger siblings and my youngest sibling's 15, about to turn 16. Um, no, correction, he's 16, about to turn 17, mercy. And um, for him, I, I always think about like, the world he lives in, the, the things he realizes he can become, the, the career options. I mean, my man like is thinking far and wide. Because he's grown up and even in a place where it's like you could become a YouTuber as a career, you know, and, and supplement that income in a way that you still get to do what you love. And like just their world is so different. And I think, you know, it's also on us to make sure we we support their dreams and their visions. I think as humans, like we have a tendency to like no people into submission. By no people, I mean N-O. We, we tend to tell people no until they finally submit into the world we think that they should live in. And I think that also strips people the ability to themselves in different scenarios. I mean, I'm seriously thinking about how crazy it is. I'm still stuck on it. I'm really still stuck on the fact that I've never seen a black male PT in physical, like practicing PT. I've never seen it with my eyes. Well, I just told you why. You see that percentage? <laughs> it's that percentage. So I think, you know, um, that other half to like, we got to support these young folk. Like, and I think 
it could be a deeper thing too, like even in the black community mm-hmm. where to a certain extent, we got to stop like shutting down some of these crazy or crazy to us. We got to stop shutting down some of these, like when, when one of these young ones come up and they say, yo, like I'm trying to be an astronaut or I'm trying to like, just support that, support that deep. Cause one day at least they'll be able to see it. And like, um, we had a guest mm-hmm. uh, previously who mentioned like for him, he was a therapist and he he knew he wanted to be a therapist from from a long time ago, but the person that inspired him <laughs> looked absolutely nothing like him. Yeah. And, and even reflecting back, I'm like, it's amazing that he still chose to do that because he didn't have nothing. Like there was nobody around him. And I'm just thinking, like, yo, what do we need to do? This is a question for you right here, right? Especially with you being being who you are and where you are. Like, what is it that we need to start doing now to make those dreams and those opportunities more evident? I think you already touched on it, man, exposure. And I think for people like me, people that are in my position, man, it's, it's time for us because we're at a point in our careers where we can start to have a voice, start the whole position, start to be able to make things happen. We also need to start the uh, the culture of giving, man. You know, like I'm an HBCU grad. It's important. And I'm from the greatest HBCU in the world, FAMU. So just had to throw that out there so everybody knew that. <laughs> you know, in my class, man, um, and at FAMU, what we do is that we, we actually uh, identify by freshman incoming class, not necessarily graduating class. So my freshman incoming class was 2002. And, you know, shout out to O2, um, if any of them ever hear this. <laughs> but um, what we started, man, was that we started class giving so that we um, give back as a class to the university at homecoming on your, like, you know, uh, benchmark anniversaries, like your five-year, 10-year, 15, 20, what have you. So, you know, we did that one year. And then the next year, the class of 03 was like, oh, well, y'all not about to do this. And we not get in on it. You're not about to show us up. So 03 did it. And then 04 did it the following year. And every year, that amount that was donated was more, right? And then you start seeing how well 04 did it. Then, you know, whoever it was, you know, 99 or whatever, they did it too. And then, you know, 95 did it. And then you see all these, these, uh, you know, these different classes of people of different ages really latching on to this culture of giving that's created. And I bring that up to say that we got to support our institutions, whether it's HBCU or not. You know, if, if, if it's not an HBCU that you, you know, give to a cause that helps the next generation of people that look like you. For instance, I went to Rutgers as a uh, for PT school, right? So that's not an HBCU. So for me, what I'm like, okay, well, I want to create a scholarship for Black students that want to come to PT school here, right? So we started the ball rolling on that. I think it's important to support the dreams of those behind us financially, so that they have an opportunity to do that without the financial, without all of the financial burden that they would have to face otherwise. So creating that culture of giving is really important for people that get later into their career and they have the means to do so. That's important. And the other thing is the exposure, making sure that we reach students, kids young enough to where they see like, oh, this is something that I could do or this is something else that I could do. And that can be as early as high school or middle school, man, where they see that stuff. And, you know, career days shouldn't just be, you know, the cop, the doctor, the lawyer and the fireman. That could be anything. And, you know, we have to take it upon us to, you know, reach out to our community members, our friends, our colleagues, and hold them accountable for doing that and stepping up and, you know, being those people that the kids see 
as, as a pathway for them in their life, or even something that they might come back to way later on because they remember seeing that person when they were a kid. Now I got you guys stumped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here and I'm just, I'm just grateful. Truth be told, uh, I'm really grateful. One, I'm grateful because <laughs> I never imagined that when me and Paul decided two years ago that we wanted to podcast, that we were going to be able to connect with the people that we've been able to. It's truly a humbling experience to be able to sit here and, you know, listen to the knowledge that, that you bring and, and listen to your experience. Because me and Paul, you know, we're firm believers. It doesn't matter how successful we are. It doesn't matter how many people, you know, we're able to reach or how much money we end up making. Like, we're not above anybody. And we can always learn something. And so um, I'm, I was quiet because I just kind of had to just sit here for a second, you know, and just truly just reflect on me and his journey individually for myself, but also as a collective to what would have happened if, if we said, nah, I think I'm good. You know, like what would have happened if after the first podcast didn't work out, we said, there's no need for us to keep going, you know, or after the second one, when, when things were sour and we weren't consistent, we were like, maybe this just isn't for us. You know, we, we would have never been able, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And so I'm just, I'm grateful to be able to have conversations like this. I feel like for me, they, they can be very, <laughs> they can be very therapeutic, especially with the way things are going right now, especially with everything that's been going on. Uh, it, it's been, it's been tough to be able to still be present you know, in school and, and still focus and still study. And just in the back of your mind, you're just thinking like, what have we done to these people to just make them hate us so much? You know, like, I, like just trying to wrap your head around it. And it's like every day, every week, every month, it's, a, it's another hashtag, you know, and it's just like, it's emotionally draining. About three weeks, three weeks ago now, we had a, a town hall meeting where our school allowed us to, you know, be able to speak freely and, and, and say what was on our mind. And, and I applaud them for that. Um, I think it was good. I, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you real quick, and I want no, you no, to get I'm, back to the story. What school are you at? Uh, St. Augustine in Miami. In Miami? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so <laughs> that was two weeks ago? That was two weeks ago? Uh, about three, three or four three. weeks. Yeah. All right. I, I'm gonna yeah. let you finish, and then I'll, I'll I'll touch on it. But go ahead. Okay. Okay. So I applauded them for doing that, even though there were <laughs> there were a couple of us that were not happy because we felt like it was something that should have been done a long time ago. We felt like it it, it took them too long to be able to, you know, want to have that conversation and want to address things. And, you know, what came from it was a lot of good ideas and, you know, a lot of things that can be done. But at the end of the day, I don't care how good an idea is if it doesn't turn into an action. You know what I mean? And so now for, for those of us that were on there, 
for those of us that are black that are on there, you know, we've we've continued that dialogue to make sure that that the pressure keeps being applied to to make the changes that was stated would be made. And if not always, what happens most of the time is things are talked about, ideas are put out there, and then once things quote unquote settle down, nothing else happens. This conversation right here is very therapeutic for me because I think it's very important to be able to have this talk because a lot of people shy away from it. And I've seen a lot of a lot of classmates, a lot of people at the school, a lot of people in general try to shy away from it. And my whole thing is you can't say that you're gonna be an advocate for your patients when you you can't be an advocate for black lives. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mesh. I'm glad that we're having this conversation. But go ahead with what you were gonna say. Well one, like I agree with you. Like, you know, it was great that they had that because um you know, when all of this stuff was going down, man, like the heads of all of the PT schools in Florida got together and was like, hey, what do we do? You know, and that that idea is what came out of it, you know. Um, and it's just I'm glad to hear that they went through with it and they had it. Um, but I'm like you, man, I agree with you. You know, it's not, you know, lip service is one thing and like, you know, having this thing for us to talk and you hear what we're talking about. Is, is great but that those those promises got to be fulfilled and you know um if you're making promises if you're going to go that far then you need to fulfill them and you know you, you the students not just the black students but the students together you got to hold you know everybody that made those promises accountable to keep them you know um and, you know, that goes for really any organization, not just school and students. That goes for, you know, big corporations that, you know, say we're going to do X, Y, Z to support DEI. And, you know, the employees have to, you know, make sure that they're, you know, doing whatever they need to do to make sure that those promises are being kept as well. Because, I mean, it's, it's really easy to say something, but to stand up and deliver it is another, man. And, you know, it's important that we see that. <laughs> they want to... uh you know, things to, to go back to normal or to keep the peace or whatever, you know, um, you know, they need to start looking at black people as whole people. Well, I think this was, uh, I think this was one heck of a bonus episode that these people are about to get. <laughs> <laughs> Again, man, I can't, I can't thank you enough, you know, for, for making the time to, you know, just be genuine and be transparent and for us to be able to have this conversation. It, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to Paul. Please believe, you know, we're going to take you up on on making sure that that we stay connected and, and making sure that, you know, we, we help each other out as best as we can because iron sharpens iron. And, sure, sure. you know, it's it's important to make sure that we, we keep this, this going. So with that being said, I know you already told them all your social media information in the, in the last <laughs> one, but... But go ahead and give it to them again, just in case they're starting from this episode. <laughs> All right. You know, my practice uh, Instagram is at momentous underscore SM. That's M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S underscore S like sports, M like medicine. Um, my personal is at Dr. Tim Vidal. You find that really easy. And then our email is Tim Vidal at momentouspt.com. You know, feel free to reach out. But I got a question for you guys, man, before we wrap. Like you said, iron sharpens iron. What books are you guys reading? 
outside of your textbook? I'm going to go first because I've got my books right here. <laughs> well, go ahead and shine, man. Show off. <laughs> so I, I usually read, lately I've been reading um, very specific things um, that help me with what I'm working on right now. And so I'm reading three things. One is um, the art of coaching, how to coach the person, not the problem. That's a good one. The second one is this. That's a good one, too. I'll do this again. Because, you know, just mindset, man. Yeah. And just how, how, how not to go crazy when people are idiots. And then uh, this one, Traffic Secrets. Uh, <laughs> That's a new one. Russell Brunson. Russell That's a new one. Um, yeah. I'm going to do this just to kind of, like, get an understanding because – uh, overall, yeah, that you know, literally just came out. Like that's yeah. like, that like like a month old. Yeah, if uh, yeah, you were to you... ask me, like you know, what my all-time favorite books are, right off the bat, Principles by Ray Dalio. Okay, that one helped me really solidify who I am and why I stand for the things I stand for. Period, and then just it allows me to then understand how to say no um, to various things. And then uh, the other book, I would say, and honestly, this is not two more. And we covered these two, actually, and I enjoyed them in our, in our last podcast. One was The Wealthy Gardener. That one is by John Ford. Like, that one's, have, you, have you read it? I haven't. But I'm going to read it now. Yeah. The Wealthy Gardener. <laughs> that one, for me, what that did for me is like, that's just solely about like, you got to be addicted to like putting in the grind. When I went through it, man, that joint is like, you can, you can be free, you can be happy, but... You got to be willing to work. And then the other one was Ego is the Enemy because I'm one of them. I don't know what 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 uh what the proper psychological term is, but I'm one of them in my feelings type folk. Um, oh, you're soft. I'm soft. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I ain't gonna lie, man. I'm a teddy bear. It's all right. I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, I talk my shit, man. So. I, I, have my, I have my moments, but for the most part, man, you know, I'm, I'm emotionally in tune with me. So, um, <laughs> I think as uh, we read that one on the podcast and I had to kind of like go over it myself, um, that one taught me just how to stop taking things personally. Yeah. And then two, really learning how to identify when I do things out of ego, you know, versus like um, actually doing stuff because they're a priority and they matter. You know, relationships, myself, my significant other. Or not doing things because of ego. Or not doing things because of ego. Which is helpful because, you know, the more successful we've been, um, when we continue to get guests, uh, I've noticed that maybe a year ago, I would have been acting wild. And now, so like, you know what, like, this is just part of the process. And then the other part too, is especially when we're doing goal setting um, for what we want to do and what I want to do in my business personally, um, just understanding like how my goals are no longer attached to my ego. They're just like a stepping stone to the next thing. So yeah, that's, those are the two that I'm not reading right now that I would suggest like reading again. But, you know, Russell Brunson, obviously. That guy. Yeah, 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 he's a marketer, man. Yeah. yeah. All right, what you got, Carl? So um, first off, let me say, Paul is phenomenal at what he does. He, he won't tell you, but he, um, he has gotten really, really proficient at building funnels. Russell Brunson, he, he's the one that really put me onto Russell and so hence, <laughs> so hence, I got traffic secrets too. Um, my 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 reading too is is a little bit more specific because for for my business it's focused around SEO. So I just finished reading SEO 2020. This is next up, 
That's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah, man. You you haven't Uh, started yet? No, it just got here uh, yesterday. So I'm I'm You'll like that one. Yeah, I'm excited, man. And then uh, I also also write. And so I got this right here, which is just about being able to help with um, writing in a way that it hooks people, you know, from the beginning, which is also important for me and what I do with my copywriting and stuff like that. I got this as well. Mm. on the list next up and then uh, you got to say the names of people for, here, oh, man I, I was just about to say that yeah so <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry guys the the third book was called the writer's guide to using brain science to hook readers from the very first sentence wired for story and the last book that i showed was on advertising if i had to say like paul said if i had to say like my top three books of all time Aside from the Bible, I would say definitely I got like a two, a two, like it was a dual set. They're two separate books, but I, I count them as one since it came like that. And they're both from uh, James Allen. And the first one is As a Man Thinketh. And then the second one is From Poverty to Power. Those were really, really good for me. Number two, I would say The Alchemist, because I feel like that was just a really really solid book for just yeah man it's a classic you know um and then the third one i would say definitely napoleon hill outwitting the devil that was that was an amazing read so so yeah cool cool man i like to hear it i like to see young brothers read about yours right what you got for us (laughs) how how much time you got buddy (laughs) 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 all right so right now man um I'm working my way through uh, four books. The one that is kind of my favorite, I've been savoring it because I don't want it to end because I'm really at the end of it. This one is uh, Watch the White Guys Have All the Fun by Reggie Lewis. If you don't know who Reggie Lewis is, he was the first black billionaire in the United States. You know, he died back in 93, but definitely a good read, man. Talks about his, um, you know, how he became a billionaire, essentially. The other one that I'm working through, and it's going to take you literally a year to read because you have to read it every day. It's the Daily Stoic. Um, and it's just excerpts um, every day uh, that you just read daily to uh, you know, really kind of set the tone for your day, man, and get your mood right and uh, you know, give you some direction. It's a really good read. The other one I'm reading right now is really, really good. And it's, it's sometimes infuriating because they cover the history so deep is um, The Color of Money. And it's the history of black banking. I suggest that you know, to anybody that's interested in, you know, the <laughs> the true Black history and um, understanding the uh, wealth gap and the, the big disparity between Blacks and Whites in this country, they really outline it really, really good. And, um, and they do, they, they do a great job of, uh, you know, really explaining uh, why historically Black people don't trust banks. You've probably heard your grandparents say that before, <laughs> that they don't want to put money in the bank, they put it in a mattress or hide it, bury it in the bag or something like that. They explain that, what, where that came from and why that happened. Um, so that was one. And the other, the last, the fourth of which I'm reading that it, it was taking me a very long time because it's a very long book, is uh, The Power Broker, which is about Robert Moses, who was the guy responsible for all the freeways and bridges in New York. And it, the contrast is really good reading that book and reading Watch the White Guys Have All the Fun at the same time because it's a very huge contrast of 
the white man's rise to power and the black man's rise to power and the different things they talk about and deal with, as well as the similarities that they have. So reading them at the same time has really been cool for me to um, to really see, especially at a time like this in our history. The top two books for me, though, that uh, I would suggest for anybody, the first one is Relentless by Tim Grover. And if you watched The Last That's Dance, fire. <laughs> you yeah. know Tim Grover. I love that Michael one. Jordan's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jordan's training. Um, so if you haven't read, read it, if you haven't read it, please go read it. It is, you know, I've read that thing cover to cover six times, man. It is a, you know, book that definitely changed my life. And I, I've told Tim Grover that himself, <laughs> but it, uh, yeah, for sure. I definitely recommend that book. And the other one is, uh, the 10 X rule by, uh, Grant Cardone. So if you haven't read, if you haven't read that, please read it. That one, um, that also changed my life, man. I think I read both of them back to back the first time. And uh, yeah, I, I think my, my career went on steroids for about a year off of that, off of those reads. So, you know, definitely recommend those. Look at that. Low knowledge before we end the show. No, nah, man, appreciate you once again. To our lovely listeners, leave us a five-star review because we just gave y'all like a whole bunch of book recommendations as well. Until next time, peace and many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. This episode was brought to you by the Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money. Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really do not have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. You can find help at www.preptgrindotc.com. This episode was also brought to you by PhysioMemes. PhysioMemes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand with an online store, PhysioMemes. Thank you for listening. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.